at St. Joseph's Seminary College in Covington, Louisiana, the seminary would put together an event called Abbey Youth Fest. This event was the largest retreat or kind of conference gathering of people, of young people from the Gulf South, from Texas all the way over to Florida, to spend one day on the Abbey campus under the night sky, under the open outdoors, learning, coming to you, the appreciation of God, and ending the evening with adoration under the night sky. Every year, the seminary would put on this event for, for all this, the kids across the Gulf South. So my third year at seminary, I was asked to be on the committee and help plan and put together this event. And as we met the first day, we kind of calculated the day when the event would occur. And it coincidentally fell on the feast day or the memorial of St. Scholastica. So our director at that time said, you know, let's, let's pray to St. Scholastica for her intercession. And so we all as naive seminarians, we say, okay, cool, let's, let's do that. Let's ask for the Lord to shower his grace on the kids that will be attending and being there. And as naive seminarians, we didn't do any further research on St. Scholastica. St. Gregory the Great writes a story about St. Scholastica and St. Benedict because they were siblings. St. Benedict forms the Benedictine monastery, and St. Scholastica took on the, the, the rule of St. Benedict and formed the female counterpart. And so her last day on earth, she invited her brother over, and they both got together and talked. And so they talked about theology and all these wonderful and great things about their faith and how they're running their monastery. And St. Benedict looks at his sister and says, Sister, I have to go home. And she says, No, brother, I, need, I want you to stay here with me through the night so we can continue our conversation. He insists that he has to go home. He's never stayed overnight at any other place, and he never leaves his monastery overnight. And his sister, being his sister, puts her head down on the table and prays. And as Benedict is walking to the door, a big thunderstorm showers down uh, right outside. And St. Scholastic kind of looks over at him and says, I don't think you can go home, brother, because we, they didn't have the nice cement roads that we have here today, but it's all dirt roads. And St. Benedict looks at St. Scholastica and says, what did you do, sister? And so they sit together and, and continue their conversation through the night. And so that morning when the storm ceases, he walks home. And as he gets to his monastery, he sees a dove coming across his window and says, that's my sister. And he sends his monks to his sister's monastery and is reaffirmed that his sister has just passed away that morning. And I tell you and share you this story because what is interesting for that event was St. Scholastica did intercede on our behalf. And what she did was exactly what she did to St. Benedict and called upon a storm to shower the seminary with grace. So much grace so that it was called the 100-year flood of St. Joseph's Seminary College, where the water literally was reaching up to my chest of how much water flooded the seminary. 
But when you listen to that story, you can begin to ask, where was God's grace in that? What was God trying to teach us in that? Because it sounds like instead of allowing the event to go, he's punishing us or he's not really listening to our prayers and interceding for us. We see today in our gospel reading the mute and the, the deaf man. He gets healed by Jesus and then can't stop, can't stop to proclaim the good news that has happened to him. So many times in our lives, there's moments of miracles, of graces that occur within our lives that we may not see them as miracles. I know when the flood was occurring, it was kind of like, okay, cool, all this work for nothing. And as we were helping each other, the seminary and the monks, to kind of get through this 100-year flood, I was praying about the situation and incident because as a committee, we put all our energy and strength to revamp to make this event better. And we were hoping that it would impact and change the lives of the youth that were going to attend the event that year. And so I was frustrated at God and kind of angry at him, wondering why you would do this to me, why you would do this to the committee, why would you do this to the seminary? Because after the flood, the seminary incurred millions of dollars of damage and took them at least four years to repair and to renovate everything. And even to this day, they're still recovering from that flood. So how is this your outpouring of your grace? How is this an outpouring of your love? How are you calling us to be open to you, to proclaim and to preach your good news when the event in which we wanted to do that, you decide to give us this 100-year flood? But I think in its subtlety and in its challenge, and even in the life of St. Scholastica, where do we find God in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our challenges, and to love God with the purest of heart? Because what comes in front of us is the chaos. So that event and that flood looked like it was just chaos. But instead, what he called and invited not just us as a community, but with the monastery community also, how are you living life as Christians? How are we loving each other and supporting each other in the purest of heart? Because it was so easy for us as a community to focus on ourselves. We were going to put on this great event. It was all about us. Instead, we forgot and lost sight of who we were celebrating, who we were coming to know, and most importantly, who were we leading these, these youth to experience? We forgot and lost track of that. We lost track of how we were supposed to be open and proclaim and share the good news of the Lord. So as we bonded together, suffering through no power, no electricity, no nothing, cold, wet because of the flood, we all came together as a community turning and relying on God, praying in the midst of trial and tribulation, not knowing how we were going to get our next meal. But we grew together as a community. We bared through it, made it through perfectly fine. Two days later, the water re uh, died down and we were perfectly back to normal and began the cleanup process. 
But how do we in our lives with the chaos, the disorder, come to trust God, to love God with the purest of heart, and know that he has our best wishes and best things for us? So as we look to the deaf and speech impediment man today, let us ask the Lord to open our mouths, open our hearts, and open our ears to see how God is working in our lives, how God is moving in our lives and challenging each and every one of us to become better so that every day we can go out and like this man who has been cured, unceasingly proclaim the good news, unceasingly proclaim the good work he has done within us, unceasingly share how we have heard God's voice in our lives and how God has changed us so that everyone else can hear and experience and see that transformation within us. Amen.